Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show here on Monday evening at 8pm. Yes, that's right, every Monday at 8pm. Come and join us on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, or you can join us as a, or you can listen to the recording as a podcast as well, just search for New Zealand Sports Radio. Um, hi, I'm Paul, your host this evening. And uh, what have we got to talk about tonight? Well, we've got Super Rugby round one, obviously, and there's obviously round two coming up. A bit of uh, Super Rugby alpaca uh, news came out today. Uh, obviously, we had uh, last week a bit of Silver Lake news, also um, some rumours around the Six Nations and the uh, global calendar as they uh, try and kick that uh, ball around yet again. And a bit of a surprise move as we have a new defence coach for Japan. Uh, all of that to go through um, this evening. And joining me um, to go through all of that, um, I have uh, uh, Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Very good. Thank you, Paul. Always a privilege and a pleasure to be on the TDM. And uh, also, Boa. Uh, good evening, sir. Kia ora and a very good evening, everyone. It's uh, lovely to be on the show. It feels like it's been a lifetime since I was last on this show. So it's really nice to be in the esteemed company of Mr. S. Harris and Mr. Paul Baines. And of course, our regular viewership. Hope everyone's well. Hope everyone's safe. And uh, yeah, really excited to be back on the show. Yeah, it feels like yeah, they've got the, the the full lineup back up again, um, which, <laughs> as you say, it has been probably since before Christmas, uh, since uh, since we've all been on um, together. Um, Stephen, you have uh, been catching some uh, under twenties kind of uh, games, Blues Cup or something recently. Did you catch another game this weekend? Uh, no, I, did, I actually didn't pop along on the weekend. We actually had a little bit of a, a scare. My um, in, in and around COVID, my. Uh, Daughter was a um, not a not a not a close close contact contact with uh, somebody that she worked with, so she's been isolating for the last few days, just waiting for the result of her test, which took uh, uh, four days, which came back negative negative today, which was which was really good news. So I actually thought I'd do the correct thing and just stay close to home, if you know what I mean, guys. So, uh, but it gave me a bit of time to watch a bit of a bit of footy on the TV. But I know that that under twenties tournament that. Uh, I had been following lately was played on the weekend and it was uh, a very resounding uh, win to uh, North Harbour over the uh, Blues under 20s. I think it might have been something along the lines of 40 to 7. 
Um, I'll confirm that score sh- shortly, but uh, the Northern Barbarians game was uh, cancelled and that was because there was um, a couple of uh, close contacts in the uh, New Zealand Barbarians team, so I'm a little bit un- unfortunately unfortunate on that case, but hopefully that last round, which is scheduled for up in Whangarei this weekend, can can go ahead, Paul. Yeah, I hope so. And yeah, I was being up to my uh, daughter's uh, uh, school today when they were getting they were talking about the differences between casual cl- contacts and close contacts and actual positives. It's like, oh, geez, all too complicated. Just tell me when I've got to be uh, got to stay home, which I do most of the time anyway, um, <laughs> and keep uh, keep life kind of nice and simple. But when you get up too much this weekend, uh, out out, out uh, any, any coaching or any early season uh, early season training? Well, I certainly have been quite busy on the coach development front. Uh, just helping out with NZR as well as Auckland Rugby Football Union with, uh, you know, creating coaches. And, of course, um, ARFU have a new uh, prerogative with NZR, which I have to commend them, uh, much largely to, uh, you know, we had, we had a bit of a, a, a refresher of personnel at Auckland Rugby, and there's a new game development manager who's actually come from, uh, his name's Chris Mandel, who's come from um, New Zealand Cricket, so uh, he's actually utilizing uh, a number of uh, coach developers to deliver courses from uh, a club community level. So rather than the uh, Auckland staff go to every single delivery, they're actually utilizing local coaches. So I've been invited to uh, play a, a role in it, uh, which you know I'm really uh, enjoying and loving. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, it's this whole... Uh, Network of close chaos contacts. It's causing chaos. Every uh, every other person uh, seems to be a close contact. Uh, so we're sort of you know going through this isolation process. Fortunately, I haven't been caught up, uh, but I think it's only a matter of time before I'll have to. Uh, well, what is it? Uh, uh, it seems like ten years. You need to self isolate. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, apart from uh, I have to say, yeah, lots lots happening in the coaching front. Of course, the the Blues region had a performance uh, uh, coaching session, which is equivalent of the World Rugby Level Three coaches. Anyone who wants to get into professional coaching requires a Level Three certification. So, lots happening on that front. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know this whole COVID thing is causing a few dramas in the grassroots levels, particularly the kids rugby. Uh, vaccine mandates, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so it's going to be quite interesting to see how things play out, particularly over the next four to six weeks. And you guys in Auckland might be having chaos. Me down out here in Waihee, where uh, basically we, we we live a mile apart from each other, um, there's no problems at all. See, it's all this. If you if you have a bit of space, a bit of breathing space, and don't live with, don't live around too many people, it's all good. So yeah, I've, I've avoided the whole thing. So um, as I say. If you just, it, it, it'll get out to me at some point, but by the time they do that, it'll be uh, I'll be another four or five years before anything gets out this far. And uh, we always live, uh, live 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 behind the times. Um, but, well, I was going to hey, say, now go. that you've stuck the knife in and, and twisted, can we get on with the show, please? <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of rugby then. Uh, Super rugby kicked off then, and first up, we had a delayed game due to COVID. Um, so this <laughs> one, so unfortunately, Moana Pacifica uh, versus uh, the Blues didn't go ahead, um, but some. Um, We'll be uh, we'll be looking um, uh, we'll be looking at uh, uh, them hopefully joining the uh, round two um, against uh, the Chiefs. They've been uh, the first lot of people are out of uh, allowed to train again, so hopefully that uh, that goes ahead. 
Um, so the first game of the uh, season was uh, the Waratahs versus the um, the Drua. Now, uh, 40 to 10 was the, the end result on that one. Uh, look, um, I think there's been a lot of uh, positive hype around um, Fiji and Drua uh, and, and also the Monotica to a slightly lesser extent. Uh, but I think this is a, a good indication of where they're going to be at. Because let's be honest, the Waratahs uh, lost every game last year and then come out and win um, 40 to 10. Fiji and Drua, look, um, some good players there. But at the moment, uh, getting used to the pace of, of Super Rugby, uh, have uh, little to, to no experience of playing with each other as well. So there's none of those connections. We saw a lot of spilled ball uh, in this game from the Fiji and Drua. Um, and uh, I have got my, uh, I, I decided that um, I would uh, get some stats. And as you can see um, in, in this one, we had 24 scrums, uh, which was uh, an awful a lot of knock-ons. If you think that not, if you think that uh, play advantage for them as well. Uh, plus the Fiji and Drua, 20 turnovers. If you give away 20 turnovers, you're not going to win many games, I'm afraid, folks. Um, and that's what they did. So, uh, yeah, lots of early season rust from them. Uh, any uh, kind of uh, thoughts from you guys? I mean, is, does this make the Waratahs favourites to win Super Rugby as the top of the table, um, or is uh, or are we getting yeah, it? Not 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 being able to extrapolate much from this one. No, not not at all, not at all, Paul. Um, if if anything, I think it was this game was probably more about what the Fiji and Drua weren't doing correct in that first half. I don't think they put any more than two or three phases together. If they got three phases together, I'd be really surprised. In between times, there were just far too many mistakes uh, from the Drua. Listen, if they if they'd put they'd been able to put a little bit of pressure on, and they actually showed that in the first few minutes, they were actually able to to put a little bit of pressure on on the Waratahs. But you know what? Like you say, you, you pretty much hit it on the head from the beginning. <clears throat> You're going to make that many mistakes, and of course, the longer the game went, the frustrated the frustration started to frustrated frustrated frustration started to show. Also, they probably got offside with the the official as well. Didn't didn't get a lot of love. They ended up getting a yellow card, and that was on the back of a, a missed knock-on, a clear knock-on that was missed by all officials. Went to the next play. Player was um, penalised for a lifting lifting tackle, and I think once that happened, the game was as good as gone. Yeah, and Bill, look, uh, right, says he had a bit of aggro in the game as well. Uh, the, let's be honest, the, the island teams can be known for losing their discipline uh, and getting in, in, involved in too much aggro. This one's going to be a big thing for Fiji, isn't it? Or for Fiji and Drew, sorry, isn't it? Yeah, look, I have to say I'm I'm, I'm a bit disappointed with Drua because I did expect them to be a lot more competitive. Uh, a couple of areas where they actually the winning and losing of the game was, as Stephen rightly pointed out, just the continuity ruck recycle. I think the, the most number of rucks they put together was uh, four. Uh, so at this level, you're not going to go anywhere in a hurry uh, if you do that. And of course, uh, the amount of scrums, it meant that they, they, they really didn't get an opportunity uh, to force broken play. So they were just kind of ambling from set set piece to set piece. Um, and if you look at a pitch map, as in where they actually played the rugby, it was more on the inside part of the field. As you know, the Fijians are very good at attacking the edges. They didn't do that. Uh, and another uh, really telling uh, situation in the game for me was the ability to clear the ruck ball uh, was very, very slow and static for the drawer. And this gave the Waratahs to, you know, get set defensively. 
Um, but I think more than anything else, we have to be fair by these guys as well because the combinations are not there yet. And, uh, you know, at this level, first-class level, particularly in one of the, you know, arguably the most competitive uh, regional competition in the world, you know, you're, you're going to have, uh, you, you know, you're basically on hiding to nothing. So the Voratas look, they did well. I have to say they, they, they looked a lot sharper. But um, again, you know, the benchmark is probably not going to be the Drua in this competition. It is going to be, it is going to be, or it, they are going to be the Kiwi sides. Uh, but, you know, a 30-point blowout, uh, yeah, I have to say very disappointed. Given that the Fijian team has been together for well over eight and a half weeks. Yeah, they, they flew over to Australia pre-Christmas. Uh, so they have been together, you say, quite a long time um, over there on that one. Um, we follow that up then. So that's the only game on Friday. On to Saturday then. The Chiefs um, beat um, the Highlanders as expected, uh, 26 to 16. Really won this game in the first half. Uh, where they took an 18-6 lead. Again, um, not as many scrums, but the same number of turnovers, and 18 turnovers from the Highlanders, uh, probably saved a bit by the fact that the Chiefs' line-out was a, dis was, was an, was, was a bit of a mess um, in this game. Uh, if you want to hear my uh, what Clayton McMillan thinks about that, um, become a supporter of New Zealand Sport Radio, and you can uh, listen to my question to him, asking him about what was going wrong with the line-outs in the post-match um, post interviews. Uh, that's available for supporters of New Zealand Sport Radio. Um, the, but yeah, I, I think perhaps saved a bit there by by early season rustiness from the from the Chiefs. Uh, the Highlanders uh, also say rusty with those eighteen turnovers. You're not going to win many games like that uh, uh, in this one. Um, Gasawa Kula a return to form. Uh, Stephen. Yeah, he's a, he's a good player. He's, a, he's also a player with a high amount of skill high amount of energy and I think that was probably one thing that the, the Highlanders couldn't really deal with was was Sawakula's offloading. Um, whilst their line-out was dysfunctional, whenever Sawakula had the ball in his hands, he always went forward and boy, can he sniff out an opportunity with a high jump as as well. i got to say that was a, some pretty pretty shoddy defending uh, from, uh, from, the, from the Highlanders. Um, Aaron, Aaron Smith basically stayed on that side, but really you wanted a big body defender on that blind side, I don't think, um, <clears throat> despite the high jump, uh, that Aaron Smith was ever going to stop Sawakula in in that particular space. Um, yeah, really interesting. I, I think the pitch is a little bit distorted when we saw this game. It looked like it had been a hot, sunny day, but they'd obviously had a downpour, which may have affected the players a little bit. Maybe, maybe I'm giving them um, too many excuses there and then. But really and truthfully, if the Chiefs' lineout had been more accurate, I predicted before this game this could be 30 points in this game. And had that been, I think they would have won this game far more comfortably than what they did. Um, and yeah, as you say, the pitch, and it'd be an issue here. Look, it's a club ground. It doesn't have the same uh, um, sort of resources to prepare it in the same way that an FMG stadium does or a uh, or an Eden Park. Uh, so it's, yeah, it is more boggy. They have had some rain down there, but it was dry for the pit, dry for the... Um, the season. And Boa, should they be playing uh, professional rugby on club pitches? Are they up to it? Well, look, I, I've been a huge advocate of playing in these uh, community grounds and I, I loved it. I think, uh, you know, once we get all these uh, restrictions from, from time to time, uh, some of these games, particularly when we roll on into the NPC, now I'm just sort of deviating off track here. Uh, I think, uh, you know, more resources need to be put into developing some of these community uh, grounds. 
And I think it's 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 really nice to see uh, that, uh, albeit circumstances and this whole Queenstown bubble, I personally don't have a problem with it. Uh, I th- the, where the issue is, as you rightly said, you know, the quality of the pitch. Uh, you know, but again, you know, my my take on it is these guys are, you know, uh, big and ugly enough. They you know they need to be able to play on pretty much any footy field, and and you know by international standards, going right around the world with these uh, community Esplanade-style grounds, uh, you know, that ground wasn't too bad. One thing I do have to say is with that uh, hurdle, uh, the uh, the hurdle jumping by Peter Gasokula, uh, the, the reality is, uh, you know, if you if you were to play that technically to the letter of the law, that would have been a penalty against mm. Gasokula because, you know, you can't jump out of a tackle. But, you know, it did, it did it kind of add some excitement and it made for a great highlight. But one thing I d- did really like about Aaron Smith, there was he actually went in nice and low. So if any, you know, if the referee actually uh, enforced the rules, that 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 should have been a penalty against uh, the Chiefs. But obviously, since then, the the, the video has gone viral, uh, and uh, yeah, so Kula was certainly in good form. He, he reminded me of a, a large version of Sonic the Hedgehog, just running all over the park with the stopgap board. Um, and I think his work rate was tremendous. The other thing, again, I have to come back to is the the set piece. Yeah, just a little bit rusty because I know these franchises have really put it, put in a lot of work on the set piece. So, bit uh, a bit surprising that it wasn't as accurate as it should have been. But again, you know, first round and historically most uh, competitions we've seen a bit of rustiness come into it, particularly in the set piece. So hopefully, let's look forward to a better lineup next week. I think I think that was actually a plus, Paul, um, that you could probably give to the the Highlanders that their that their front row stood up pretty well. And I, listen, I was mildly impressed with both loose head prep, uh, props um, at scrum time, especially Jermaine uh, uh, Ainsley. You know, even though he probably threw a pass that could have been a little bit a little bit better when he made a bit of a break up the field, but I thought just showed some really really good uh, good good mobility. Also, um, Norris. On the loose head side for the Chiefs, and uh, we, you know, those two, um, Ethan DeGroote, they had a, they had a great battle, and um, just out in the back line, I was really impressed with Josh Timu, as well. I've not not seen a lot of Timu, but just had that ability to, to break a tackle. So not all is lost uh, for the for the Highlanders. You know, the, on the upside, they've got a game under their belt. Yeah, look, I, talking about the Chiefs, Chiefs um, lineup because it's something I sort of know a bit about, having been to interviews, but. Um, the, the Neil Barnes used to do this now. He's gone down to used to the set piece and he's gone down to um Taranaki. So Clayton McMillan has taken over the line out. So clearly he's head coach and has other responsibilities. Has he got enough time to concentrate on, on, on the line out as well? That's that's a question mark and about the really kind of resources that um uh, that you see probably tides have. Uh, and then the other question is uh, is look, um, when you think that um Brady Retallick, Josh Lord, Topu Vai, three of the uh key locks, um Samasoni. Uh, key um, uh, the key line out throw as well, and I've, I've gone blank as to the as to whether the Chiefs have got had any um, all black um, props on torn. Um, but um, all those players only came back recently, so they've been they haven't been there for all of preseason, and they're key they're key members of your set piece of your line out. Um, I don't know if Brady Retallick is the actual line out caller or not, um, but even the, so, he may not have been there um, for very long. So uh, I think that also might have, have an impact. On this one as well, and needs to be, um, uh, yeah, it should improve over the next few weeks. Um, 
then we had perhaps the uh, technically potentially the 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 the, the best or you know, the, the best quality of play in the fact that um, only seven scrums um, and uh, only 23 turnovers uh, so the least in both of those categories um, under the roof in Dunedin um, Crusaders versus the um, Hurricanes uh, to me a lot of this came down to the fact that the Hurricanes could not take advantage of the uh, yellow card to Oli Jaeger just before half time. Um, they, were kind of, they, were, they were a point ahead going into that yellow card. Coming out of the yellow card, they're five points behind uh, when they should be stretching that lead. Bowen, um, some uh, yeah, some real clean play by the uh, Crusaders when they were down to 14 men. Yeah, yeah look, uh, Crusaders have made a, a, a very telling and noticeable change the body position in the ruck cleaner. Um, now, if you recall last season, uh, the in the All Black camp, we you know, a lot of criticism came against uh, their ability or the physical ability to shift the uh, opponents, particularly in the breakdown. This year, if you look at the Crusaders, you can clearly see they engage into the ruck at a very, very fierce intensity, and they leave no jackal standing on his feet. So I think because they're getting lightning quick ball, good quality, fast ruck ball, they seem to be able to feed it wide. And of course, when you have guys like Wool Jordan who are attacking wide, running those angles, it's just a matter of time before they get a line bust and the points come in. So for me, that's the single biggest change they've made. And of course, um, you know, these sides, they do practice with 14 men. And soon as they get into this uh, situation where they're playing one man less, they have this siege mentality and they you know, they really do up the intensity. So real good promising signs to see that uh, particularly the Crusaders, particularly their forwards, the tight fight getting nice and low, making sure that they win the shoulder battle. And if you see how they went into that clean out, uh, whenever there was a jackal or a player wanting to steal the Crusaders ball, they always managed to get their shoulders almost in the waistline and shifted a would-be jackal. So great signs. If the Crusaders continue to keep doing this, very, very hard side to be. Yeah, I, 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 this was the one I got wrong because I thought Fergus Burke was going to be, um, or the loss of Richard Morang was going to be a big loss for them, but Fergus Burke stepped up. Uh, Stephen, you, you obviously thought that I was uh, I was nuts um, with this. You've let me know that mm -hmm. uh, off, um, off, off air. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Fergus Burke did stand up and played well, and the Hurricanes just kicked far too much to Will Jordan and not enough to, um, to, to Bridge, is my, was, was one of my takes on this one. Um, yeah, you're pretty much on point there, Paul. Listen, I, I looked at these two sides um, pretty much before the game started. And uh, like for me, the, the big thing was who who the Hurricane, uh, who, beg your pardon, who the Crusaders had coming off the bench. And boy, the, you know, you're, you're able to unleash Bauer, Williams, Quinton Strange, Dunshay. Um, you know, three of those guys have all played for the All Blacks, and you've got a bit of experience. You have an All Black, All Black winger. I just thought they were much stronger on the bench, and I actually really thought that the area that where the the Hurricanes and they surprised me a little bit. They, listen, full credit to their 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 scrum for at least fifty minutes, but you did not see a noticeable change when that front row went off and uh, Numia, and um, I'm just trying to think who the other prop was. Uh, ben Ben May came on, you could see the difference, and, and congratulations to Ben May on, on 100 games as well, and that, to me, you know, emphasised the difference between the team, and if the Crusaders laid on a decent enough platform um, for their for their first five, Burke, I didn't think it would be too much of a trouble, you got the experience of, of Hall there as well, where if you kind of look at the other side, you know, both, well, probably more young 
Ruben Love, who's got a lot of potential, you know, really guilty of putting in nothing kicks. You know, to my way of thinking, you're better off kicking it out, going to the next next set piece and backing your defence as opposed to kicking it to the, to the back three. George Bridge, you had a reasonably solid game. And, of course, why would you kick it to Will Jordan? Yeah, exactly. This really could be Williams' standout sort of breakthrough season um, there at, at, at the Crusaders. A, a real big boy. Uh, now, whether he can start and go 60 minutes, I don't know, but uh, but could be uh, yeah, fantastic off the bench there with a number of uh, replacements. Something I asked you about last year, um, uh, sorry, last week, um, Stephen, and perhaps Watson will come back to on a future week um, is the number of replacements that are allowed um, on that one. Moving on then to the Reds versus the Rebels. Look, this one finished um, 23-5 to the Reds. Uh, look, 18 scrums I mean, uh, for the Reds. That means 18 knock-ons by the Rebels at least, plus another 23 turnovers. <laughs> well, why don't you just give the game to the Reds, uh, basically, um, on this one? So, yeah, look, again, another game that uh, I think was pretty much won in that first half, 13-5. Uh, the Rebels couldn't score in the second half. Uh, and... Um, yeah, you just can't throw. You can't just keep giving the ball away in that way that the, Re- that the Rebels did. Um, sure, as Simon says, good defensive play, <laughs> but who cares if you're just going to throw the ball back to the def- the back back to the opposition every time you get it? Um, Boa, Stephen, anything really to say about this game? Because I've not really got much as you can tell. Um, listen, probably if there's some lessons here for the Rebels, when you've got three points on offer, and you you. Turned, you've turned down at least six six points. You know, that's six points you could have basically banked on a wet night. If you'd done your homework, you obviously knew there was going to be a bit of, bit of rain about. Very dewy in Brisbane at this time of the year. You know, that's, for me, that's a disappointing thing. You've got to just building, you know, just keep building your building your points. Um, I thought their pack was playing well enough. Their captain Wells and the flank of Wilkin you know, getting some really good steals and making some good tackles. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think it was, it almost reminded me of two brothers playing each other and um, um, and the older brother just had the, the other the other brother away by an arm's length. I've got to say in terms of <clears throat> fullbacks, because fullbacks are an interesting position for Australian rugby. Uh, Reese Hodge probably had a night to forget forget and Jock Campbell at fullback had a night where his, his stakes went up that little bit higher but apart from that I don't know, even know if Boy has got much to add up add to that Now look uh, I've, I've actually got a number of negatives uh, because you know to, to, to me that was a, a very very hard game to watch it was whistle after whistle it was pretty much aimless drifting from side to side however there was one highlight uh, James O'Connor got absolutely smashed <laughs> blindsided <laughs> Beautiful tackle right underneath the ribcage, ball and all. The tackler, his name eludes me. He bent his knees, looked nice and straight. And boy, on slow-mo, I mean, in fact, I extracted that and I was uh, uh, doing a coaching seminar just this afternoon. Um, And I I played that over and over again. And boy, some of the reaction I got from some of the senior coaches. So for me, that was a real highlight, but everything else just was... One of those games, you know, was was like watching a jelly, you know, sort of like a jelly wrestling uh, competition, which was kind of getting nowhere. Um, uh, there, there was, I guess, uh, a, a couple of highlights. Yeah, Jock Campbell, yeah, pretty good. I thought his work rate was fantastic. Um, and of course, um, yeah, Reese Hodge uh, again, really, really underwhelming. And one thing I have to say, 
the game before we were talking about the Crusaders game. But uh, biggest underwhelming uh, play, well, you got to be fair, I suppose. First up, uh, Pablo Matera. I was expecting a lot more from this guy. Uh, lots of noise in the camp. Uh, sorry, digressing there. But uh, yeah, apart from that, I don't have a lot to talk about uh, the Queensland Reds and the Rebels. Apart from, I have to say, the Rebels. Wow, what a what a playing strip they had. That, that little shiny Terminator-like jersey. I think that was the best. That that was the best it looked all night. It might be the best they looked all night. It was a bloody awful jersey. I mean, it's, it's something that might have looked okay on a player on a pitch. Would you wear that around town or going out to the pub? Hell no. Why do I? I don't want a cityscape across my stomach. So it's, it's bad enough highlights my stomach at the best of times. Putting a putting putting a cityscape and asking them to look down there is I, no. It's just a big no for me for that jersey. Not not. I'm not a fan. There we go. Um. Round things off then, Brumbies versus the Force. Now, this is one where Stephen in our chat was basically saying another hard watch during the first half, and then in the second half going game of the, game of the round. <laughs> I mean, wow, what a way to... to, to what, I mean, keep, make your mind up, sir. Uh, yeah, first half, 10-9. Um, basically, uh, look, the Brumbies should have taken the lead into uh, half-time. Oh, they did take the lead into half-time of only one point, but it should have been, it should be further ahead. Uh, look, again... The stats here that, I'm, that, that, I've, that I've particularly put, pulled out are against them. 14 scrums to the force. That's all those knock-ons. And they turned it over 19 times. And in that first half also, their line-out dysfunction. They, they lost about four line-outs in the first half. Second half, their line-outs start working uh, and the Brumbies go ahead and win. But um, yeah, Brumbies really did everything they could do. Really started poorly. Did not play like the Brumbies that we know at all. Um and uh, perhaps perhaps the most, uh, uh, I guess, disjointed team. The force, an improved an improved force, a proper pre-season, um, a proper recruitment. Uh, they're heading in the right direction. The Brumbies, wow, a lot of work to do, Bar. Yeah, certainly. So, again, I think, you know, a bit of ring rust for a better choice of words. Uh, where I think the Australian teams will have to be really careful, particularly once they start playing the Kiwi teams, is the set-piece. Because you have to control your controllables, where you know, particularly your lineout. Um, and given the, it was pretty sloppy, wasn't it? That first half was it's pretty awful. But uh, I, I can see where Stephen Harris comes from, where as he as he rightly said, you know, it was the game of the round. Because when you have two teams who are of you know low rankings, for a better choice of words, equal sort of skill set going at each other, uh, it does produce a bit of excitement. But to me, you know. The, the, the Australian conference just seems to have just far too much disjointed rugby where it's, you don't really see any continuity where they're, they're, they're a little bit shy on doing the ruck recycle. It's just far too much kicking. And also most of the kicking is quite aimless. Uh, but, you know, second half, I have to say, the, the force, they, they really upped the pressure. They did put some phases together. Whenever they started running nice and straight, the hole started opening up. They just needed to have you know players run on shoulders so that the offload could find a target that didn't happen. Uh, but I think as the rounds uh, progress, we will see some uh, improvement. So the force particularly is a team you shouldn't take too lightly. And I, I, I would dare say they will spring a few surprises this season. I think the Force's problem here was that every time they scored in that second half, which was twice, they let the Brumbies score within two minutes with a try. 
Uh, and you've, they, they, they just and, and allowing a team to come back like that each time was what lost them this game, unfortunately for, unfortunately for them. On that one now, um, now Stephen, um, you, you, I mean, we've been talking about fullbacks uh, and particularly the uh, the Wallabies' fullback position. Uh, Nocturnal Wright says Tom Banks, another fullback, had a good game on attack. Now I know you were not a, were not a fan of Tom Banks during this game, at least for some of it. Your thoughts on uh, on Tom Banks? I, I listen. I think he's played better. Um, it's it, it, it not a it's not a bad sort of football. My first instinct is is to actually go aerial, but you know it actually showed when he actually does run run the footy. And you know you speak of some of the tries in this second half. If you didn't know any better, three of those tries were so good you, you'd almost think you were watching New Zealand teams playing. And that's the only real compliment I I, I can actually give it. And you did. You know the lessons for for the Brumbies. You know, sometimes you've got to take the points on offer. The kicks just to spread it out. And I think it, they probably manufactured that finish them, themselves and fortunate enough to, to get the win. But um, just getting back to what you were saying about Banks, yeah, I mean to say, probably right now, if I was looking at a fullback based on what I've seen round one, yeah, I'd go for Tom Banks. Well, so there you go, folks. That's round one wrapped up. Now, I've deliberately pulled out these stats because, to my mind, Early season problems are around knock-ons and uh, discont and, and, and not controlling your ball, i.e., um, scrums. For, uh, it gives you an indication of how many knock-ons have been. Uh, turnovers gives you an idea as to how disjointed the side is. Now, you one of the things you mentioned in our live chat was uh, when when I put these up, you said um, these are just going to get worse. Uh, I'll discuss why. So please, w w I think these should just get better because you 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 should have less knock-ons and you and you're. The system should get better, so your turnover should reduce. Why? Why won't that happen? Well, with the uh, particular on the scrum, we're not we're not actually going to see uh, lesser scrum resets. A couple of reasons: one, uh, there's there's a there's a huge focus on the safety. So for the slightest bit of uh, instability, you will see referees blowing scrums up, uh, and also a memo has gone out to suggest that referees need to give both teams an equal chance to reset and have an equal uh, crack or, you know, a fair competition. So what that means, if I were to decipher in layman terms, is we will see a lot of overzealous over-refereeing in and around the scrum area. So we're not going to see fast uh, scrum resets. The, the only way we're going to improve this is to actually simplify the scrum. But unfortunately, the way the rules are being interpreted and where referees are asked to, to police this area, it is not getting any simpler. It is only getting more complicated. Uh, don't ask me why, because every year I ask this question from the powers that be. But, uh, you know, I never seem to get uh, a straight, simple answer. So uh, this 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 area, we, you know, it's, we will see more and more, and particularly when bad weather comes in, it just becomes uh, an even more uh, problematic area. As far as turnovers go, um, look, it comes down to attack shapes and attack patterns. I think in, in this part of the world, we are so hung up on trying to play attack shapes, either 1-3-3-1, one, 1-4-4, three, three, one, one, four, four, uh, so on and so forth. And because, you know, there's so much emphasis on this structure and it's, it becomes quite predictable. Defences are getting better and better and better. So, you know, there's enormous pressure for that particular that first-up pass when you're one-up, one-back trying to take it up forward. So you will see the element of contact and collision becoming more and more because there's so much emphasis on trying to win that collision. 
so that's the second reason. And of course, the third uh, reason is the you know purely the intensity. And this time of year, things are quite hot. Things are really warm. So you will see more and more mistakes creep in because there is more demand both physically and mentally of the players. Um, and given you know the the level of speed and intensity some of these teams play humanly it's not possible to sustain that level of um, you know accuracy and um, continuity particularly at first class so test level it's a different story and that's where you know that's where we call it test uh, so those are some of the reasons i see uh, based on how some of these teams are training and particularly how the scrum will be policed going forward in super rugby pacific Something, uh, Paul, Paul, I'll just jump in there. Something something that I I picked up on, um, counter-racking. Saw some really good counter-racking on the, on the weekend. And some of it was built around holding holding the, when the tackler, when you're holding a player, he's got a knee on the ground. They just hold them up a little bit longer. And basically by holding him up a little bit longer, you can then get your counter-ruckers in, an, in a really good position to drive through. And uh, I saw that on a, a couple of occasions. I don't know if it's something that's being coached, but it's a very smart tactic. Cool. Yeah. No, and and uh, love the counter up because that means that the opposition have to um, apply more, put more, more bodies into the ruck uh, and therefore we'll create more space on the pitch on the whole. So hopefully that's, that's what we see uh, going forwards. Um, like good, like a good contest on the floor um, on the scrum side of things. Uh, look, Whilst uh, these, the, the, this is number of scrums, um, one scrum here in these stats, I think, could equal three or four resets. I think it's the, I think it's a, it's, um, it's, it's, it's one set of scrums per se. So hopefully the this number comes down, but each scrum itself will probably, as you say, take a long time. Um, but we'll keep an eye on these stats, folks, over the first few rounds at least. Um, if we don't see anything interesting, then we'll stop looking at them. But if we do see something interesting, we'll keep looking at them, folks, over the uh, the next few pieces um so moving forward then to round two folks um quite sensibly and it's strange seeing a sensible thing happening in rugby but um the they've rejigged the games this weekend so they've moved the um highlanders crusaders game forward a day and the uh, blues hurricanes game forward as well um so that they can move the uh, gallagher chiefs versus moana pacifica to the sunday giving moana pacifica as long as possible um to uh, well, basically, to 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 get ready for this game as as they come out of um, uh, as, as some of the players as they come out of uh, uh, isolation due to the uh, COVID contacts and COVID positives they've had. Um, so uh, let's hope we do get that game. Uh, it's still reliant on uh, obviously all the players coming through and being being ready. Clearly, um, that means that I think all of us will predict a big win for the Chiefs um, as uh, Moana Pacific have been locked in their bedrooms. Um, um, for the past uh, uh, week or so, um, so that's um, uh, that, 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 that's what's happening. Also, there is talk now of the uh, of all the sides coming home um, after this weekend. Um, apparently, there's been pushback around the four-hour coach journeys um, to Dunedin, um, which uh, um, I can understand. The players aren't kind of used to that sort of sort of thing. Um, with Arnie Surveyor even suggesting player welfare um, was coming into it. Uh, so we'll wait, wait, wait and hear um, what happens. But round two um, will uh, definitely still be down in Queenstown. Uh, um, Stephen, I see you grinning away there. Got, got something to say around, uh, around this part of things? 
Yeah, listen, I'm a bit uncomfortable with that with that sort of talk about player welfare and a four, a four hours bus trip. You know, um, just think of some of our heartland our heartland teams during during the season. They they don't have the luxury of um, jumping on a jumping on a plane. And let let me telling tell you, doing a bus trip from from Whanganui to uh, to Ruatoria is not a short bus trip, and it's a lot longer than four hours. So. Yeah, and and the fact that you've only really got to do this for a month, I personally think it's a bit of a small sacrifice. But that's that's just me. I am a little bit old school, um, but I know that it's it's something. Just reading the social network that didn't go down well with a lot of people. You should be blessed that you're playing. Yeah, and also let's be, and the, the, as, as New Zealand rugby has also extended the amount of trips for or the, or the length of time. Um, on the the MPC games, where you don't get to stay overnight as well. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, there does seem to be a bit of, kind of a, a double standard. We're going to get on to double standards uh, in a second when we talk about Super Rugby Opaki, uh and, uh, and we talk about player welfare in <laughs> in that one. Um, as Simon said, yeah, it's probably better for player welfare. To- Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. In a bubble than it is to be in the cities at the moment. Well, yeah, there is that as well. Um, well, look, gentlemen, I just have to add because this, this is a raging debate in the coach development space at the moment and coach educator space. You know, we we're at a crossroads with uh, you know transgenerational expectations of what quality of life and uh, work-life balance is. So, look, I'm Stephen. I'm firmly with you. You know, if it means that I've got to take an 11-hour bus trip to go and play first-class rugby, sure, I'd be more than happy to do that. But of course, um, I, you know, it's not me who's doing it. It's not you who's doing it. It's a it's a different generation of uh, players. And I, and, and I see this a lot, you know, particularly uh, in and around the coaching space where uh, some of the old school coaches who have that headmaster style coaching uh, method and they constantly come up to me and, you know, some of the, some of the discussions, you know, it's, it's not working. So my question to them is, well, why do you think that is? Um, you know, we, we live in a, a generation, you know, the, the generation, uh, the younger generation coming through, particularly these millennials, you know, there's so many running jokes about this. But uh, this is something we are going to see more and see, more. I, th- I, think, I think you're showing your age here, though. I think we're, we're, we're past millennials now, onto the next gen, whatever that is. Um, that is Gen Z, Gen Z. But uh, we're past Gen Z and we're back into Gen I, A and B, where we've, we've I, gone around I the guess, clock. I guess the point I'm trying to make is over the next sort of, you know, three to five years, we, we're going to see more and more of this. And what seems unreasonable in a certain generation's eyes would be completely unacceptable 
uh, or acceptable, vice versa. Um, and, and this, again, brings us to the Professional Players Association and how much say and how much weight they have and how much they can actually lean on what's currently happening at the professional level. So this is a, you know interesting period. But I'm, I'm, I'm firmly with you, Stephen, because I think these, that's a very small sacrifice for a small, short period of time. But again, let's wait and see how this thing all transpires. Hopefully, if they do shift up to Auckland, we will see a, um improvement in performance. If they don't, they're going to be taken apart on social media, that's for sure. And look, it's the, uh, it's the difference between what you're talking about here, which is the professional game, and what professionals should expect to have to put up with, um, and uh, and then the amateur game, which is, I guess, most of the common, most of the coaches that you're talking about with their boa. And look, at the amateur game, who's it about? It's about the players. It's not about the coach. The coach is there to help the players have fun and enjoy playing rugby. Um, so you've got to tailor it for the players. Um, at, um, at the professional level, it's about it's more about the entertainment side of things. Um, and the uh, I, I remember reading one stat. Now I don't know how accurate this is because it's on Twitter, um, but someone was saying that uh, in the the Reds preseason um, they had as much um, training as a first fifteen player would have had in two years right uh so let that sink in folks two years worth of training packed into um a pre-season gives you an idea as to how much as to why there is a gulf between amateur and professional rugby there's just the hours of training is is is, is amazing that these guys get to get to have um and therefore they should be able to cope with other things that amateur players can't um and so hence yeah i i think in this case it shouldn't be as, as much of an issue. But I think if you're talking, the, the, that generation thing you're talking about there, I think for uh, the community game, you've got to think about the players because they're, they're, they're what the community game is about at the end of the day. Um, unless either of you guys want to come back on that, let's hit um, let's hit round two and some predictions. Um, and uh, going through my Super Brew then, uh, they've still got the Chiefs from one Pacific as the first one up which is obviously wrong, folks. That's on Sunday. But still, uh, I think Chiefs by 30 um, for me on this one. Um, boys, um, increase on 30 or or, 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 is, uh, or is 30 about right? Oh, I'd probably go a little bit more. Don? Yeah, look, I, I had them 28 plus, four, four tries plus, but I'd be actually very comfortable to say 35 plus. Because uh, I think Chiefs started to show some glimmer, glimpses of some real, you know, awesome playing patterns. And unless something spectacular happens with the Drua, where they actually can put some faces together, it's going to be a very, no very one, not Drua, but the same thing. Um, <laughs> um, well, we'll actually say it again. Oh, <laughs> that's followed by the Waratahs versus the um, the Reds. Um, to me, uh, look, the Waratahs obviously got a big win last weekend and that will be good for their confidence. However, the Reds, for me, still should be the best team in uh, the Australian Super Rugby side of things. Uh, and I'm so I'm backing the Reds, even though they're away from home, by 10. Um, Bart? Yeah, I'm, I'm with the Reds. Uh, I, I mean, I, I like some of the things they did, albeit uh, in an imperfect performance. I'm going to go Reds 7 or less. Hmm. 
Um, <clears throat> I'll probably go the other way. I'll go 12 and over to the Reds. I think this is the big grudge match. These two states don't like each other. And um, I think Brad Thorne will have this uh, Maroons team up up for this game on uh, Saturday night, even though it is being played in uh, at Leichhardt Oval in Sydney. Although they'll have to, from what I believe, they'll have to contend with a, a big partisan home ground because it's uh, sold out. Um, I think Leichhardt Oval holds about 18,000, 20,000. So should be a good atmosphere. Oh, fantastic. And great hearing for grounds sold out, to be blunt. Let's be honest, because... Uh... Uh, yeah, some of the some of the crowds haven't been great. Uh, Brumbies um, up against Fiji and Drua. Look, they lost by thirty last weekend against the Waratahs, who didn't win a game last season. Sure, the Brumbies weren't uh, on their game, but um, again, uh, has to be thirty plus for me. So I'm going thirty for the for the um, for the Brumbies home win. Stephen, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go along with that. I think they'll be far too strong for the for the, the Fiji and Drua. I hope the Fiji and Drua have improved and just taken some lessons out of their loss in round one. Bob? Yeah, I think I'll make the cry factor 28 plus, but but I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game and I would actually back the Drua to score at least three tries. Ouch, you're talking this is going to be something along the lines of um, 50 to 20-ish. Yeah, we're wow. having big numbers here because I think both this this game's going to really open up. We're going to see some big hits. We will see some cards that that I will guarantee. Uh, but you know, this this Brumby team has far too much class, far too much experience, and far too many players who actually played together for a long while. So I'm uh, going to be another steep, steep learning curve. So if you can get the combination, folks, uh, Brumbies win with the most cards in the round uh, is the is the one for this game. Um, uh, then we've uh, well actually obviously these aren't in the right order but anyway um, Highlanders versus Crusaders look uh, the Highlanders lost the Chiefs last weekend the Crusaders um, showed us what they can do under the roof uh, short this is the uh, this is actually the only real home game even though there won't be a crowd in the uh, uh, in, in the stadium um, uh, so uh, I will um, back the Crusaders again uh, in this one uh, yeah probably by about 10 just like I did last weekend against Hurricanes um, but yeah, Crusaders 13 and under. Uh, I think they'll go into a comfortable lead. Uh, but historically, they've always leaked a few tries in the last quarter, which is pretty much what happened, uh, you know, this weekend past. So I think Crusaders will get to a comfortable lead, but it's going to be 13 or less. Well, Bowers seems to be running with some sort of weird uh, um, kind of prediction. As, as it's, it's either 12 and under or 12 and over. But somehow he's come up with 13 and under. Um, Stephen, your thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, I can only see one team winning here. Unfortunately, regardless of it being a hard game, home game, beg your pardon for the Highlanders. It's not as if they're going to have a home home crowd support. No, Crusaders too strong. And I think Boa pretty much hit it on the head. I think that's how it'll play out. The Highlanders are one of those teams you're never ever going to thrash. They're never going to go away, but they're more than capable of scoring a few late tries. And that's the way I see it. Now, an interesting one um, next up in, over in Australia. Um, who is the least worst out of the Rebels and the Force? Um, now, to me, I think I'm going to go with the Force on this one. They're away from home in Melbourne, uh, but we did see something nice things out of them against, uh, against the Brumbies. Uh, and I think they'll disrupt the Rebels enough. Uh, and so I'm going to back the uh, Western Force by seven. In this one, folks. Um, Boa looks a bit surprised there. No, I'm not surprised, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to go for the minority call or the least probability. 
I'm going to go for the draw because I think both these teams are imperfect. And historically, second round, we have actually produced a fair few amount of draws. If you recall last year, we did. We had three draws. So I'm going to go for the minority play. A draw, it's not going to be pretty. Somewhere around the 15, uh, uh, a big part, somewhere around the mid 20, maybe 25 apiece. So we'll see how we go. And well, for me, just to give us a, uh, a, a, a full house, it's only, but we're only playing with three cards. I'm going to go with the Rebels uh, to take this by in a close one by six and under. So there you go, folks. This is the uh, this is uh, this well, this is yeah, this is the most competitive game of the round. Uh, we're, we're not promising the highest quality or the most interesting game, but the most competitive game of the round. Uh, and uh, to wrap things up, Blues versus Hurricanes. Uh, now, look, we don't really have a guide as to how the Blues are doing, if they've not played a game yet, um, and how they'll come out. Um, the Hurricanes, mind you, um, we have seen and obviously racked up that loss against uh, the Crusaders. At the end of the day, uh, look, I think this is a Crusaders-Chiefs-Blues um, competition to uh, to win or lose, and those are the three that will pick up lots of wins. So I'm back in the Blues um, by seven in this one, but we still have to wait and see how uh, the Blues are going and how they've done in their preseason. Stephen? I'm I'm backing the Hurricanes by 10 and under for this game to beat, to, to beat the Blues. And um, basically, I'm just concerned that the Blues haven't played any rugby. Hurricanes have already had a game under under their belt. That's going to be a huge, huge advantage. If they can iron out some of the mistakes or the base errors that they did in the Crusaders game, I, I, I think they're more of a chance. And I think it's really important that they actually start with a little bit of experience at, at, at first, first five, at Garden Bishop at first five. But I also think it's a good idea to start with a, a better loose forward mix. Um, I just don't think they've got their mix right at the moment. I like the idea of Flanders on the side of the scrum, but I love the idea of Ari Savia in the seven jersey even more. And I like the look of Braden say what he added to this team when he uh, when he came on. Uh, once again, I thought the set piece was ad adequate enough, it might be just enough to get them across the line against the Blues. So that, for me, is going to be the upset of the weekend. Boa, are you, are you going to go with Stephen on this one, or uh, or uh, or have I got it right? Or are you going for the draw, and do we have all three? Well, no, 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 I was tempted to go for the draw, but I think, I'm, I'm, I'm firm with Stephen Harris. I think the form line from the uh, Hurricanes will only get better. They, they're a progressive type. They'll be better off for that uh, little drowning they got. But they did make a solid comeback in the last quarter. So, some really promising signs. And Blues first up against the Hurricanes have always struggled. They are that bogey team. So, I am going to go for a very, very close, very, 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 very close fourth battle. And I'm going to tip the Hurricanes to win by three points or less. Well, there you go, folks. So Rebels and Western Force and Blues as Hurricanes, always got disagreements. Those are, the, those are the games that should be close. The other ones, we've decided that uh, we already know the results and uh, they might as well just not play it and just give me the money um, that, they, that the TFB is going <laughs> to offer on those ones. Um, but uh, yes, we'll have to wait and see uh, how that one all pans out. Moving on then to um, Super Rugby Alpaki. Now, jeez, uh, we're talking about the guys heading back from Queenstown early. Uh, but we're talking about putting the women's teams into a bubble in uh, in Taupo. And then also shortening the whole tournament down to 16 days. So basically, um, the way the um, 
the games will be played and uh, where is it um, is that basically we'll have midweek games. So it's not going to be. Um, so basically it's going to be Saturday, Thursday, Tuesday, um, and then the following Sunday for the final. So not full seven day turnarounds or not full week turnarounds. Um, they're going to squeeze um, the games in. Um, now, I've seen some comments um, on uh, Twitter going, hang on, you're pulling guys out of the bubble, but you're putting the girls in the bubble. Why? Now, the reason for that, I think, is that it's a very short um, it's a very short tournament. So if you get as COVID disruption, which we're expecting to have within Super Rugby, there's no time to recover from it. Whereas in the men's men's tournament, because it's over um, several months, you can recover, you, you can catch up on games. When it's only over three week or four weekends, you can't do that in the Wizards. So I understand why they might go into a bubble because of that. But um, to play games Saturday, Thursday, Tuesday, Sunday, when we're talking about player welfare and needing a full week's recovery between games, uh, and you're going to have players who are amateurs playing with um, Blackferns who are fully professional, to me, um, this basically does, um, basically flies in the face of that idea of uh, of having uh, basically, well, basically player welfare. Uh, now, those midweek games on the Tuesday, Thursday and the Tuesday um, are going to be at FMG Stadium. Uh, we'll be interested to see whether I can get there on a media pass or whether my comments just now saying that this is nuts will, uh, will get me banned by New Zealand Rugby. Um, look, we, we, we tend to, we, seem, we don't seem to bother with um, player welfare as far as the women's game goes. It just seems to be, be thankful you've got games uh, and good luck, girls. Um, am I being harsh there, Bella, or is that... Uh, or, or, or is this actually not not fair on the on the players? Well, I, I'm not. I wouldn't say you're being harsh, nor are you being any anything other than that. What you are is highlighting the reality of uh, any supposedly professional league, other than leagues or a league which supplies players to the uh, All Blacks. Any, everything else is. You know, I hate to say this, and I'll probably get the cold shoulder as well here by saying this. They are expendable. They are expendable. So, um, oh, wow. I mean, okay. There's, there's, yeah. there's this thing like this is the priority, and then there's this like, hey, if they die, who cares? So they're expendables. Um, well, that's a bit harsh. The expendable. Well, you know, wow. in, you know, in a, in a contact sport, if you are going yeah. to play, what are we talking? You know, forty-eight hour breaks in between, uh, and. That's one side to it. The other side of the course, with logistics, with COVID, uh, given all the limitations, you know, NZR are caught in between a rock and a hard place. So this is a, a really um, difficult situation. I'm sure all these girls, they want to go out and play rugby. But at the same time, we have to actually think about their physical as well as mental welfare. So where do we strike the balance here? I mean, I certainly don't have the answer to this. Uh, but you know the, the the reality is these girls will go out, they'll run out and 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 have a game, no matter how bashed up they are, and they will bash each other up. Uh, so I, you know, I I feel I feel what's what's the term? What's the term I have to use here? I feel real, I feel bad for them. Uh, but at the same time, most of them will just front up, and I, you know, I have nothing but absolute respect for them uh, for willing to go through this. Uh, who knows? Maybe over the next couple of years, we will see some changes because this is pretty much mirroring some of the uh, tier two nations, how they they, they, they used to get treated um, in the Rugby World Cup where they have to 
you know, front up midweek and weekend, whereas some of the tier one nations get a, get a seven to eight day rest. So something for headquarters to think about. Uh, but, you know, my, I, you know, I express my honest feelings on this because this, you know, it's, it's a real difficult uh, scenario for me to digest as someone in coach development space. Uh, so all I have to say is I wish them well. I hope they're safe and uh, hopefully they can survive this and last the season through the bubble. Yeah, and as you say, the, the fact that they, they they will turn up, we're not going to have a strike or anything silly or anything like that. I don't say silly; that's, not, that's totally the wrong word. It's actually probably the, the right thing to do. Um, but we won't have a strike. We'll have they they won't complain about it in the media, uh, and, and they'll get on with it. Which is yeah, respects them for so, but I don't think it should be treated that way. Um, Stephen, yeah, Paul, I was going to say um, from the very first games, the fifth of March finals of the twentieth, that gives them good grief. What's fifteen days, almost. Basically two weeks. So I wonder if there's, it's also a case with the growing number of cases we've got happening at the moment. It's a case of just trying to rush it through as as quickly as we can. I think COVID's a little bit of a factor here. I'm a little bit like, boy, I feel desperately sorry for them because I think there would have been better a stretched out tournament would have been better. More of a day in the more the, more of a day in the sun. More of a, a focus. More time to re, to recover. But in, in reality, I would like to think. There was a little bit of consultation um, with, with with some leaders from each team to say, "Hey, this is where we are at the moment. If we stretch it out to over a month, with the growing number of cases, but if we get in there and knock it out reasonably quickly, then at least we we've got you with this tournament under under the belt. And you know, by the look of it, the, these teams or players involved or the better players will get." really good minutes in four, should get good minutes in four quality games. And when you consider um, the, the big picture that's happening a little bit later in the season, it, it might be something, something is somewhere in there is your answer. Yeah, look, I mean, clearly there's, there's been, there's been, um, there's, there will be a consultation with the Super Rugby franchises, with the players, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, let's remember, remember, um, the uh, the Black Ferns got a text message to inform them about games being cancelled and stuff, uh, which, yeah, well, anyway, whatever. Um, Simon does make a good point, though. The midweek games are being held in Hamilton, which is a two-hour drive um, from Taupo. Rotorua, which also has floodlights, is only an hour drive from Taupo. So why not host them? Why not have those games at the International Stadium in Rotorua um, rather than Hamilton to reduce travel time? Uh, if you're not going to allow... Uh, crowds anyway what difference does it make um so yeah uh, and we've we've had mpc games in rotorua well we've even had uh, lions versus the uh, new zealand the the mario blacks in rotorua so why can't it get used i, th- I think i can answer that paul I, I think it's about keeping all the same people that you've got basically registered to be in this spe- in a specific bubble in hamilton to be that like whether it's basically officials or uh volunteers who are going to be there on the day you know, all of a sudden you go to Rotorua, then you've got to shift those people from one area to another area. So I think it, it keeps it clean. Maybe that's your answer. Yeah, I mean, that's right. FMG Stadium is, is better equipped and better set up for games than uh, than the, the Rotorua International Stadium. I'm not a big fan of Rotorua International Stadium, to be honest with you. This time of year probably wouldn't matter, but generally I find it's bloody cold um, and it's and it's very dated. Uh, it's, it's the, the facilities there are well out of date. Um, so to call it a... Um, an international stadium really is stretching it a little bit nowadays. Um, to, to, well, stretching it quite a lot, put bluntly. Um, whereas FMG Stadium, 
is it is it state of the art modern? No, it's not. But at least it is it, it's it is modern. Um, if it's not state of the art, and uh, uh, well, the side that the players are on, the 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 <laughs> the, the stand on the far side, known as the cow shed, a little less modern and could do with not being knocked down, and replaced. But hey, the main stand is pretty modern. Um, so yeah, okay, I get it from that point of view. The facilities are better, and uh, as you say, uh, the the they've already got all the infrastructure in place ready for the Super Rugby game, men's games, as well as Super Rugby Alpaco, Alpaki that we're planning to have there. There was no plans. You have to set things up from scratch um, in uh, uh, in Rotorua. Now, um, Simon Hughes lets me know that um, uh, that the Rotorua uh, International Stadium is due to the 1987 World Cup um, was used there. Wow. And was... Uh, uh, so, yes, there you go. So that, that gives you an idea as to the uh, international... Um, part of it. Um, you look so at uh, the whole Hamilton thing, it's all logistics and TV. And uh, I have to say, as far as Rotorua goes, I'm not a fan of Rotorua, period. So it's probably not a bad, bad thing, you know. So now look, I've got no problems with Rotorua itself. I'm just not a fan of the stadium. Anyway. <laughs> Slightly different. Um, so, so, folks, that, that gives you an idea our, our, our opinions on that one. Um, I'd say, I guess the silver lining for me is two of the games will oh, two of the games will be in uh, in Hamilton. Maybe I can get to them because of that. Um, whereas Tarong, the Taupo ones probably will be too far for me to travel to, um, to be honest, uh, on, on, on that one. Um, look, we're, we're over an hour already, but a few things to, um, I guess, to, 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 that'll do. Uh, look, Silver Lake uh, investment has been confirmed by uh, the New Zealand Rugby Players Association and New Zealand Rugby. Now it's very gratified by the uh, provinces and also the Maori, the Maori board or the Maori rugby board. Um, uh, look, uh, it, it appears, look, I think one of the things from the announcement is there are still more questions than answers <laughs> or there are as many questions as answers um, because uh, yes. Uh, and and I'll, I'll go through those questions and answers from uh, my point of view uh, in a supporter special that'll come out tomorrow um, on this one. Um, but um Look, it, it was it was bound to happen, wasn't it, Boa? It's, it's there now. I guess for me, the big question, and you've kind of touched on this earlier, is um, how well is the money spent uh, on grassroots so that it uh, produces a sustainable game rather than just getting frittered away and in 10 years' time we're like, we need more money again to upgrade facilities. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the cash is needed, isn't it, Boa? Yeah, it's very much cash for too, and I guess this is where the provincial unions... We'll have to have a big say on how the finances, the ratio of the dollar with uh, high performance or professional to uh, grassroots will um, be spread. Of course, most of the provincial unions have some uh, really good plans in the pipeline. So this uh, equity or cash injection will allow them to do that. But again, from a board point of view, given that the focus is very much on the professional game as things stand, um, that's where the question mark is. So it's a very interesting situation. And of course, the, the single biggest roadblock to this whole scenario has been the Players Association. And that's because, you know, how much of a pound of flesh in, 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 in simple terms, if I were to put it, are they going to get? And I get that. I completely get that. Uh, so, look, don't know. I, I don't know what to make of this anymore, purely and simply because it's just going on and on and on. Because... Um, you know, everyone wants their slice of the cake. So wait and see. History tells me, history tells me that grassroots have always got the 
Spanish archer's elbow or the cold step motherly treatment. But let's hope that I'm wrong. Stephen, any sort of thoughts on this one? Um, listen, it, it sounds like first and foremost that at least all the, the party the parties have actually found found some middle ground, which is probably the, the first thing, which is probably weren't they, where they weren't before. And the other thing is, I think that original play or stake was 15, 15% for, what was it, th- over 365, 365 million. So it's dropped by about 165 million to 200 million. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of tick boxes that all the various parties actually prefer. And I think uh, Silver Lake share is down to about eight percent. It's definitely under under ten percent. So I don't know. If, if the parties are happy with it, then we run with it. Yeah, we're going to run with it anyway. But there are a couple of key things here that haven't been kind of met. So in the initial one, um, the revenue share for the players was supposed to halve. Um, now there's been no mention of that in this release. There's been no mention either that the revenue share will stay the same. But if, if they're not saying it's going to reduce you think it's staying the same um the other big piece i'll talk about during um my opinion video that i'll put out to of, of opinion um podcast i'll put out tomorrow um is around that uh, originally there was just going to be one company now there's going to be two um companies being set up one of which uh well so there there you go so there's there's, there's uh, um, the, the, there's, there's looks like there's been two companies. So the question really is, I say, there's still a lot, of, a lot of questions as to what is in, what is out, uh, how much, how much uh, benefit was going to be from what this second company is going to get, um, and all of that sort of piece. So uh, at the end of the day, there's no such thing as uh, good or bad money. It's how you spend it, um, and I think it's going to come down to that. And we will not see, we will not know the answer to that. Probably, as I say, for the five until five or ten years time, when we go. Oops, our facilities aren't good enough anymore. Or, yay, uh, we managed to keep our facilities good uh, and we're in a good place. So we'll see um, about how that one pans out. Um, just a couple of th- things that I'll, I'll also cover in that one is that uh, Safka's Safka, rumours of Safka trying to join the um, Six Nations. Um, so, uh, look, I can't see that happening. <laughs> but, hey. Um, and secondly that apparently six nations led rather than super rather than world rugby led is that uh, back on the table is this um, world nations cup every two years um, falling in the year after and before these world rugby, uh, sorry, rugby world cups, but not on a lines year. So not on the world cup year or lines year. Um, and basically the incorporation of the, uh, the July and November international windows into some sort of um, 12 aside um, world competition. Um, so again, um, I'll uh, talk about more that more that um, uh, tomorrow in my, in my show. But essentially, at the end of the day, Six Nations unions are broke because of COVID. Isn't everybody? <laughs> Therefore, anything that's going to bring in more money, they're up for. Which is why this is back on the table at the end of the day. And I see no, I see Stephen nodding his head. That this is all about dollar figures. Um, yeah, Paul. I, I just, I just sense a lot of this sort of comes out of. Um, they obviously get some. They, they get a bit of a, a good uplift round about the through the autumn internationals, national time. So I, I actually think they've probably somehow realised yet yeah, we do need some more win- window. We actually that is a little bit of a cash cow for us, the autumn internationals out uh, internationals. But how can we make it a bigger cash cow? Have a tournament every two 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 years. 
So, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. And they could probably almost do away with the autumn, autumn internationals. Yeah. Well, they would, be, they would be part of it. So, yes, so they yeah. would they, they, um, basically. But it would basically, it would mean the end of tours in July. The July window become like the autumn in, or the, uh, the, uh, the November window where you play three different teams, essentially, um, which is uh, which <laughs> travel is going to be fun if you're playing South Africa, Argentina and New Zealand. But there you go. Good luck, folks. Um, Boa, any issues? But I mean, that, that was one of the big issues, but big anti things in the first place was player welfare, which we've already discussed as being a bit of a uh, well, um, it depends how, how it gets in the way of dollars. Um, but um, any any thoughts of on, on this one? Well, you've got to be careful what you wish for. I think travel is a huge factor because if you recall, uh, when um, Argentina first entered the, the Super Rugby Fray, one of the biggest issues was this whole travel thing. So if you're going to do this every two years, it's going to have a, a major physical and mental toll on this generation of players. So I, 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 I don't see this happening at all. And also it kind of downgrades the whole value of having a World Cup once every four years because that's what us rugby fanatics and you know casual fans all alike look forward to. Um, and something I want to address with South Africa potentially joining the Six Nations. Some of the more credible reports suggest that they will probably join after 2025. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. But again, it's to do with times, you know, time zones um, and of course lesser travel. And you're seeing a lot more South Africans play in Europe these days. So there's that natural. Uh, tendency for players and officials and coaches to move to Europe. Um, so long term, it'll be interesting to see how this affects uh, the South African top level, particularly if they're not playing the All Blacks and the Wallabies on a regular basis. Uh, but as far as this uh, World Cup happening every two years, I think it's absolute nonsense. It is um, it's more like farcical, you know. Um, and as far as from a player welfare point of view, it's just you know, it makes a big mockery of it, and it's quite hypocritical, if you ask me. But again, that's just my opinion. Uh, World Rugby and myself, we, we we tend to disagree on a lot of things, particularly around the tackle height. So, uh, if that's a precursor, I'm sure they'll uh, do everything they want to do, uh, to to make this happen. Maybe they'll have a virtual Rugby World Cup on an annual basis. Who knows? Well, this is funny. At least you get to talk to World Rugby, whereas I, I disagree with them. They don't listen to me. Uh, whereas you they actually do. You actually get to find out if they do disagree with you. I, they, I, I just assume they do. Um, anyway, um, the um, as long as it's not a final, if it's a league table and someone's at the end, at the top of the table and gets some sort of trophy, then that's fine. If there's a final, I think it's a bit of a joke. That's my personal opinion. Um, finally, a bit of a surprise move here because I thought Japan had a good coaching setup in place. With uh, Jamie Joseph and um, uh, and, and uh, Tony Brown uh, there running the show. Now apparently they've added on John Mitchell um, as a defence coach, uh, a coach who doesn't seem to be able to keep a job for more than two years. Uh, the um, as Stephen just quickly goes through his head as to when <laughs> as to has John Mitchell ever had one. I'll Google in a second and uh, bring up his Wikipedia. But look, I mean, he's been through England. He's been through the USA. He's been through. Uh, actually, has it done Japan before? No, probably not. I don't know. Um, I was at Bulls, wasn't he, for about a year? Um, he does seem to go through a lot of teams. Um, it's so, uh, good, a, good, a good idea or a bad idea? Uh, it's for, um, for, for, for Japan there getting John Mitchell. For, for, for me, it, 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 it just seems like an odd fit 
Um, I, I, I'm not too sure. Like, I don't know if communication is is one of his one of his his big skill sets. You, you know, Japanese are very very respectful, respectful people. Um, you know, John Mitchell he talks in riddles most 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 of the time, and and just talking to a few people in the note can be very very sharp with players as as well. I think that was one of the reasons why him and. Um, him and Eddie Jones got on until basically Eddie, Eddie, Eddie decided that, uh, or John decided that maybe watching his son play cricket was a heck of a lot more important than <laughs> coaching the England rugby team. So uh, it's just it wasn't, an odd it wasn't his day off. But let's, let's be fair. Here. Yeah, sorry. I know your son's playing in a, a World Cricket Cup semi final, but you're staying here to coach rugby. Um, I'm pretty sure Bo will agree with me. It's 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 odd. Oh? Well, yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a very um... It's not quite the juxtaposition you would expect with the brave blossoms, uh, because he's he's like your um, he's like your uh, you know what's that? Uh, who's the butler from the Adams family? That sort of <laughs> yeah, that, that that sort of personality. <laughs> um, and yeah, look, he's he's very abrasive, and you're, you're right. You know, I, I recall him at the All Blacks press conference. And he was appointed as back in 2000, 2001, where he said, it's a, it's a journey. It's, uh, the, you know, coaching and success in the All Blacks is a journey. But of course, when things didn't go quite right, <laughs> the journey was cut short. Um, and, um, you know, to his credit, though, he's got a very, uh, very impressive CV, albeit short stints. But I guess, you know, that's that's how John Mitchell kind of makes his living and how he coaches. He, he understands that there is a... Um, a uh, uh, use by date in a particular assignment, and I think he probably uh, enjoys it. So, yes, there is a, a lot of merit from a technical point of view, particularly what he done with England in the Test level, and of course, uh, speaking to some some of the South African guys, some of the stuff he did with the Blue Bulls, uh, you know, he did, he did some tremendous stuff. So, yeah, look, I, I think it's just a bit of a punt. Uh, hopefully, for the sake of Japan, it's a good punt. Um, he does some good, and Japan learns some useful tricks. But if it was me personally, no, I, I, I'd actually leave Jamie Joseph with his coaching stuff because I think they've done a tremendous job. Uh, well, hopefully Jamie Joseph has is basically initiated this and cho- and uh, it has a say. Uh, hopefully, this, if this is imposed on him, then wow, um, you should walk out the door, mate. Um, but okay, so here we go. Look, two years at Fraser Tech, one year in Ireland. Um, we've got uh, three years at South Sharks before three years with England, two years with London Wasps, a year with Waikato B, two years with the Chiefs, um, a couple of years, or three years with um, with the New Zealand, another couple of years with Waikato, over to the Force for four years, um, three years with the Golden Lions, two years with the Lions, a year at Cell Sharks, a year at uh, UKN, UKZN, whoever the hell they are, um, a year with USA, a year with the Bulls and Blue Bulls, and then uh, a couple of, and maybe what, three Three or four years with uh, with England, um, wow! That's it's, that's <laughs> so basically, look, um, folks. If you're looking for a coach in uh, 2024, John Mitchell is available, folks. He's had he's had more clubs than I've had underwear. I'll tell you guys. <laughs> I, I was about to say, who knows? Maybe he's won somewhere near Monaco Road. Well, who knows? Well, I was going to what I was going to say. The Adams family butler was Lurch, so he's certainly been lurching Lurch. around a few clubs. <laughs> So um wow. 
Right, and look, guys, one, one thing I have to say is uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of his defensive style because he's he's a big uh, his, his go-to is a choke tackle stand-up. He gets that whole sort of, you know, shoulder line. I'm not a big fan of that at all. Uh, but obviously, you know, most of these, uh, I mean, guys like Eddie Jones, I think it's perfect fit for him. <laughs> um, and, you know, he did some tremendous work. So, um, yeah, we'll wait and see. And, yeah, Nocturnal makes a very good point. He probably will need a translator. And I don't think the Japanese talk in riddles. They just keep it really simple, keep it very respectful. So, it's going to be a very, very interesting time. Well, yes. Well, and, and to be fair to him, look, he took England, or he was part of an England uh, coaching team that went to the Rugby World Cup final. Um, so, as you say, yeah, look, he has had success along the way. Uh, he, um, uh, um, we had a good, yeah, as you say, at the Bulls, um, had a good time. Um, so, yeah, look, he has got varied experience. I think his uh, his one way is a nice way of putting it. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see um, how that uh, how that one pans out. But um, yeah, boy, oh boy. Um, that one came out of the blue. Um, Boa, thank you very much for joining me. Stephen, great to have you on the show again. Folks, don't forget, 8 p.m. Monday evening for the Driving More show on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, or you can catch it as a podcast on New Zealand Sports Radio. Um, and uh, don't forget, patreon.com forward slash NZ Sports Radio. Um, and uh, you can get, uh, i say, my view, a bit more in-depth views uh, on the Silver Lake, Six Nations, South Africa, and uh, that world um, testing tomorrow. Um, also, we've got thing. Uh, also, um, I'm hopefully having an interview with Topu Vai um, tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, Chiefs will come back to me yet as whether that's going to happen or not. But if so, that'll also be for supporters only um, as well. So uh, do sign up, folks, um, for as little as a dollar a month. And um, boys, thank you and good night, Boa. Likewise, pleasure. Good night, Stephen. Bye. Listen, you already. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.